fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode seven, and I don't know about you, Josh, but I'm all about that Halloween life right now, and I mean both the holiday and the film franchise, as this will probably be the fastest I've ever wanted to get through movie news just to get to the topic, because, oh... Today's topic of discussion is the Halloween franchise as a whole, as a horror franchise, the individual films. I'm really excited, but um, yeah, Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been a it's been a long week, and I uh, I mean, we we record on Wednesdays, and it's it's already been a long week, and we're only halfway through. So, but I mean, we'll make it through. Um, I did want to say. <laughs> And I don't know why, because she doesn't listen, but my sister-in-law wanted me to tell everyone hello. <laughs> well, hello from <laughs> us. <laughs> oh, man. So, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like, honestly, this might be the first weekend that I legitimately am going to make an effort to go see a movie in theaters opening night. So... There's that. That I think that tells you how excited I am because I think we I've been kind of vocal on how, unfortunately, I haven't been able to go to the movies that often lately. So, I'm pretty excited about this this weekend, man. Oh, same. So, yeah, let's cover the main topics of news and then we'll get into some Halloween discussion. So, um, our first big story is the Aladdin teaser trailer. So when we last talked, the teaser poster was out, but the teaser trailer had not. That dropped the next yes. day. Um, Josh, what were your initial thoughts about this live-action Aladdin teaser? So, first off, I want to say that I called it. I, I said... I yes, said you did. That last week that... It was going to drop either the next day or, or two days. I did it. So I was like, yeah. Um, Fair enough. Um, I liked what I saw. Uh, it definitely, uh, the first of the teaser, teaser, I was like, okay, I'm trying to make out what's being said. Because maybe it was just the audio that, you know, I was just listening on my phone. Didn't have any headphones in or anything like that. Maybe it was hard to make because understanding exactly what was gone and then all of a sudden the uh the cave of wonders rears its head and says that iconic line of uh diamond in the rough and uh just goosebumps down my down my arm I was like all right yeah, let's go why not <laughs> yeah um same for me the trailer like, for a while there, I could not tell that it was supposed to be an Aladdin trailer. It just seemed like generic Middle Eastern uh, landscape. Yeah. And then you get that cave of wonders. Um, the opening wasn't, not the opening of the trailer, the literal opening of the cave of wonders. Kind of disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, just because... I grew up with watching it as a kid thinking, oh, that's such a cool cave entrance, like this big, majestic um, tiger. Yeah. And then this is like, there's a tiny little hole in the wall. But yeah. that being said, the voice is like spot 
on. It was a real cool flashback vibe. I was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm a little on board with this. I'm still very apprehensive about this movie. And I'm, I'm not nearly as excited about this one as some other live-action Disney movies. But I'm glad you're excited about it. I'm glad we have some differing opinions on this. That being said, yeah. it's still an uphill battle to win me over. But it was a fine trailer. Yeah. I, I think there was some things that piqued my interest. Like, um, there's the quick snippet of Aladdin riding the carpet with somebody on the carpet with him. That's not Genie. It doesn't look like Genie, but it's not Jasmine either. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm very curious as to where they're going because it, it actually kind of looks like they're not going to just copy and paste the story, which would be interesting. But. Well, you know, all that will come with time. Before we move on to our next news topic, just some quick speculation. Um, so Will Smith is the genie. When do you think we're going to get our first look as him in the as the genie? I think they're going to drop it in the next trailer. Like the the first full length trailer, they're you're going to have to agree. To me when do you think that'll be? So they drop the teaser image and then the next day the the um teaser video dropped i give it i'm gonna say a month maybe a month from from when the teaser dropped i would say i don't know because you could go longer because what are we we are in october right mm-hmm. um you could start you could maybe drop it maybe mid-november maybe thanksgiving ish time but I don't know. Disney does have a big project that would be perfect to attach it to the front of, and that's Mary Poppins Returns in December. I think that could be a good chance. If it's not in front of Mary Poppins Returns, I do think it'll be in, in the beginning of 2019. Like, if we don't get a trailer yeah. attached to Mary Poppins Returns, it's going to be January, February. Yeah. It'll still be a little okay. bit, I think. I was I was thinking Thanksgiving time because of all the football that goes on in, uh, around that time, and so it'd be a perfect time to drop like a family trailer. Excuse me, uh, around that time because everyone's going to be gathered on the TV anyway. But, um, but no, yeah, 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 December, December or early 2019. Oh my goodness, it's almost 2019. Yeah, jeez. Well, it's kind of scary. Um. Moving on to another yeah. Disney, yeah. Moving on to another Disney-ish franchise with Black Panther. Um, I thought this news was already confirmed, but I guess it was just further confirmed. And that is director Ryan Coogler is coming back for Black Panther Two, and he's coming back, I think, to write and direct. If nothing else, he's coming back to direct. Um, this is the biggest no duh ever to me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I Black Panther was really cool. It the visuals were unique enough from everything that the Marvel Universe has done so far. It made that me fight feel scene. like yeah, it made me feel like I was watching something new. Granted, you go back and you it still fits the typical Marvel formula. So in a sense, it wasn't anything new. However, the villain was fantastic. Um, Literally, I actually wanted... He was the first villain that I wanted to not die in the first movie. Because I was like, no, 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 I want more of him. Like, he's really cool. But, um, no, yeah, I, I would agree. 
no-brainer as far as bringing him back. Uh, you know, the first one was a hit, so why not, right? Yeah. Um, then we also just recently got a trailer for the new M. Night Shame Upon. Well, we may have to drop that title and go right back to how he should be pronounced, M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. We got a new trailer for that, and honestly... I'm getting more and more excited for this. Shyamalan's on the comeback tour, and I'm kind of getting on the hype train. Okay. Uh, why? I'm curious. Um, for me, it's because of how much I enjoyed his past two films. I love The Visit, and I loved Split, and I like the world that was established in Split. Yes, I know... Spoiler alert, it's connected to a previous Shyamalan movie, but I'd like the universe in Split, and I wanted to see more of it. That being said, I'm never the biggest Unbreakable fan, but I'm excited to see the prospect that this movie suggests. Fair enough. So, after I saw Split, because both of us big fans, I loved it. I thought it was very smart. And, you know, with how it ends, I was like, well, I'm going to have to go watch this movie now. So I, I went back and watched it for the first time after watching Split. And it was all right. Like, it, it was nothing cool or great, but yeah, it, never, it didn't feel like a movie that warranted a sequel. You know what I mean? So unbreakable it, fandom. I've never really understood because there's this large, not so much large, but incredibly loyal following to Unbreakable. And I think it's a fine movie, but I've never understood this cult fandom. Not that there's anything wrong yeah. with it. There's plenty of fandoms that I'm not a part of that I still respect. But I, I don't know. I just never understood why there's such a loyal fan base to Unbreakable. But, I mean, it's an interesting concept that I'm really curious to see more of. Yeah, I see the thing with the original was to me more than anything was how it ended. I didn't think it ended really flat to me. And I think in the process of writing Split, at some point, Shyamalan was like, I want, um, I want Unbreakable. I forget his name right now, and it's bothering me, but Bruce, well, they want Bruce Willis to fight. Uh, split. I want that to happen. In order for that to happen, I have to bring glass in, and I have to connect that. So mm-hmm. I'm not really as interested in Glass's role as much as I am ready to see a guy who is seeming is really is seemingly unbreakable and fight the the, the beast that cannot be tamed kind of thing. It's very like it's very much a very big like it's almost like a wrestling movie. Yeah, like it, you've got these two characters that are larger than life, and represent very big concepts, but going head to head. So it'll be interesting. Now the the new trailer does kind of hint that Glass has a bigger role, you know, in the background maybe than he did than he has. But I mean, they kind of played him up as this evil genius and unbreakable, and I didn't get that feeling from that either. So. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do we want to take guesses as to what the plot twist will be? Because it's a Shyamalan movie. There, of course, will be plot twists. Mine is that the like 
um, lady doctor that gathers them all together or whatever else is the actual villain of the movie. Okay. I can see that. I can see if you want to go super basic, really the only reason that Glass wants to awaken the Beast is so that he'll fight Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis can kill the Beast because Glass doesn't like competition as far as being evil. What if Shyamalan twists a twist and Bruce Willis' character doesn't actually exist He's just another character inside the Beast's head, and it's actually just Bruce Willis from The Sixth Sense inside the world of Split and Unbreakable. Yeah, no. Ah. See, okay, the issue is... It's dumb enough to be in a Shyamalan movie. uh, Yeah, that's the problem, is that I can totally see Shyamalan being like, so this is what's going to (laughs) happen. And... The whoever's making producing the movie going, oh yeah, man. I mean, you're the director, and you're financing this whole thing. So if that comes back to be the case, I will laugh so hard and shake my head in shame so hard. I mean, I think I would go up and shake his hand because you'd have to have some real big cojones to like just service yourself so much right there in this in the theater well you're talking about the guy that appears in almost all of his movies and he did you see lady in the water that's completely Shyamalan self-servicing himself about oh i'm a misunderstood artist yeah i know i just yeah. But to be fair, I'll give credit where credit's due. Shyamalan seems to be learning from his past mistakes, and he seems to be on the upswing. You know what's not on the upswing? Iron Uh-oh. Fist. Oh, I was going to say the Astros, but that works too. Hey, they're not um, dead yet. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, well, okay, sorry. I shouldn't have brought up baseball because I know how, how passionate you are. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, no, Iron Fist is not on the upswing because it got canceled off of Netflix. Yes, it did. And the whole internet just went, meh. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get for taking a character who's has potential to be really, really cool and just kind of pooping on. What I, I love, though, that the internet is so divisive and volatile these days and just like, yeah. nothing, everything's either the best thing of all time or the worst thing of all time. And then when Iron Fist gets canceled, everyone almost unanimously in agreement just went, Okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, and to I I love I like I really love Iron Fist as a character from the comics. Oh, some of the same. Best, some you know some of the best stuff I've seen is when him and Cage, him and um is it Cage? Yeah, it's Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Yeah, I have the wrestler in my head. I'm sorry. Uh, him and Luke Cage get together and they they do their thing and that's a lot of fun. There's a comic. There's a couple comics I used to have where. Um, Matt gets put in jail, and so I, Danny takes over the mantle of, of Daredevil while Matt's in jail, so that they can kind of be like, "Oh, well, I guess Matt isn't Daredevil," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just like those would be some cool stuff they could have done. But on the same token, yeah, no, the show was oh, it was okay. I think season uh, one was so bad 
that it scared a lot of people away in, for season two. And Netflix doesn't release yeah. their viewer numbers um, to know how it did, whether it performed okay or underperformed. But, yeah, a yeah. lot of people were scared away by that season one and how bad it was. So I'm sure they didn't come back for season two. Um, a yeah. theory that I've heard some people float around that I think would be an okay compromise, actually, is that Iron Fist, his show is getting canceled, but he may be rolled into Luke Cage and make that more of a Heroes for Hire type of show, which in the comics was Luke Cage and Iron Fist teaming yeah. up. Which I can totally I can totally see that and. I ha- I honestly haven't seen a lot of Luke Cage. Same. From what I have seen, it might be a good, it be a good idea to have that other character to play off of. Um, yeah, I I can see that. That would, would work for me. Um, or I just use him as a cameo character. He could totally pop up in Daredevil every now and then. I can see them pop, teaming up every now and then. You know. Yeah, it was just a collective shrug of indifference from the internet community, and I just thought that was funny that, wow, how far the Netflix has fallen. Because when this old day, when the whole Netflix Heroes debuted, it was the biggest thing. Daredevil has kept up that momentum, to be fair. Everything else, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, the Defenders has all gone down in quality so much. Except for, and while we're still waiting, waiting for season two of Punisher. Yes, Punisher has been good. Awesome. Um, so switching gears from Marvel over to DC, this almost at this point. I'm beginning to think this movie will never happen, but the solo Flash movie starring Ezra Miller's Flash from Justice League has been pushed back yet again. Do I need to even break out my shocked face for this one? Um, Supposedly this time the movie is getting pushed back because Ezra Miller will be filming uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them Part 3. This movie, mark my words, this movie's not happening. Um... I don't know. I okay. So this all starts uh, to me with Ezra Miller as the Flash. Now in Justice League, I think I might have been some of the few that enjoyed him as Flash. I mean, he's not the best Flash ever, but to me, he was a better Flash than Grant on the TV show because I don't really? like him. I don't like that Flash. I just don't, and I. I have my reasons, but, you know. Is uh, he too pretty? No, he just whines a lot. And I just, he's not funny. You know what I mean? But granted, and that's why I'm going to say Ezra Miller is a step up. I mean, he's not much better because he's not funny. Granted, he's the kind of funny that I enjoy, but he's not, like, typical flash quip kind of funny you know what i mean yeah his humor um, was different i will say great yeah. gustin has a far better flash suit primarily because i detest the justice league flash suit with everything that i have within me it's very very injustice armor like so 
I'll, I'll support you. I wasn't a big fan of the suit, but I think Ezra Miller isn't a bad choice for Flash. Now, what I do find to be, what's the word, admirable, is the way that WB, not WDB, um, DC is sticking their guns with him. Be like, we're not making this movie without you, Ezra. This would be very easy to be like, well, Ezra can't do the movie, so we'll just recast. Oh, you mean like Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck? Anyway, um, that's a gonna... whole other topic that I'm going to lump yeah. into this conversation right now. Actually, um, I didn't have this in the <laughs> show notes, but I figured we would talk about this. Of uh, another report has come out that said that DC is more or less moving forward without. Superman or Batman without Henry Cavill or Ben Affleck, to which I just go, guys, you're missing what the problem is right now. It is neither of those actors' faults that their movies underperformed. It's just, it's frustrating that probably the two of the best live-action incarnations of these two iconic DC characters, both are just getting the shaft through no fault of their own. Well, yeah. Affleck maybe is a little his fault of he's yeah, got some personal demons going on, but that's a, that's a big issue that I don't really want to go into. But so, yeah, they're fine with keeping Ezra Miller, but they're not okay with keeping Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah, that's and that was going to be my next point is like it's admirable to stick to your guns with somebody because it would be easier to cast, especially someone like Flash. But at the same token, you just let go two awesome actors. So it's like, okay, well, what's the point? Who frankly did their job better than Ezra Miller. Yeah. And to be fair to Ezra's credit, he wasn't given much to work with as far as script wise. Which I say the same thing about Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Yeah. They were on the cusp of really nailing the character. Cavill especially. We were finally about to get a good Superman. And then... Oh. oh, Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. How about we move on before you have an aneurysm? Yes. Let us actually talk about the story, believe it or not, more than any other story that I'm actually most excited for this week, believe it or not. So... This has been flying under the radar for a lot of news outlets, and that's probably because it's people over the pond, across the pond, I mean, uh, making this project. But the creators of Sherlock, uh, I believe his name is Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, uh, are doing a Dracula miniseries. I am so down for this. I'm not indifferent... I'm not excited, but I'm not, like, nervous. I don't know. I. You give your opinion first. Like, go, go ahead and go into it. So, I'm not a Whovian, and I know these guys did some Doctor Who stuff. That being said, yes. I'm a huge mark for Sherlock, the Benedict Cumberbatch yes. um, version, because I love Sherlock Holmes, and I just love the modern interpretation, but it wasn't so much the modern interpretation. It was fantastic writing, good atmosphere, a general solid understanding of what made the character of Sherlock Holmes work and apply it to a modern context. 
showing they did their homework. They made something work that really, probably on paper, shouldn't have worked, but it did. Um, I have also, for the longest time, wanted vampires to come back to some form of relevance that was taken away so brutally from them by the Twilight movies. So if yeah. anybody can establish the prestige that vampires once had in a television setting, it might be these guys. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think if you're wanting vampires to come back to prevalence, go for it. I I could kind of care less. I I don't I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent to this just because I, I, I'm kind of wanting more of, I'm waiting for the news on the um, Nosferatu remake before <laughs> this kind of thing. Who's but, the, who's I, making that? Uh, it's the guy that made The Witch. Oh, is it? Yeah. He's wanting, apparently he's wanting to go back through and do all of the classic monsters and well, redo them. Let's see how it works. Well, that worked out for the Dark Universe. Okay, but he's not. That's not that though. It's he want. It's I don't know. Anyway, yeah. But that's you, what the I'm Universal waiting. Monsters. I, I'm a big fan of. I have yeah. all, almost all the original films, like the first yeah. incarnations. I don't have a lot of the sequels, but I have like Dracula, Frankenstein, all those. Yeah. I love that era, and I would like to see them come back because there's there clearly is something about those characters that lasts and come back. I'm. I'm indifferent to vampires, unless they're the vampires from what we do in the shadows, which may or may not be discussed next week on the podcast for most underrated Halloween slash horror films. Um, I don't really care for vampires that much. Why I'm excited for this is vampires used to be scary. Thanks, Twilight. You took that away from us. Maybe they can be scary again. But also, I want more good Scary television. We're, there seems to be a renaissance in yeah. horror in general. In horror films, with it destroying the box office. Halloween, more than likely, you know, wreck it this weekend. But then you also have, um, what's that Netflix one that I've been meaning to watch? It's supposedly is really good. Like uh, Haunting on Hill House or something like that. That supposedly Love is it. really good. Um, you've got, uh, what's the house that's every year for Halloween Horror Nights? Um... American Horror Story. You got shows like that. I want more good television horror, and this might be the avenue that we get more of it. Fair enough. There's a TV series that I've got to track down that was absolutely fantastic. It was like uh, the one of the they kind of do an American Horror Story thing where each season is different. But um, so the first season I saw was called Channel Zero. It's fantastic. About yes, it. it's about a TV channel that, that um, kids do like terrible things. Mm-hmm. Isn't that also a BBC production? That's the. And I'm pretty sure that's what it starts as, but it like they remade it. I don't know. I'll have to, like I said, track it down and really like figure out what what's all going on with it because Channel Zero was incredible and like kept me up to But I agree. I think from that perspective, yeah. I, I can get down with this. The more horror television, especially somebody like Moffat, make oh man, he's destroyed too many feelings to not be a whole good horror writer. Are Let's are you more or less 
caught up or have you seen Sherlock? Just making sure. I've seen it, yes. I think, I don't know how many seasons we're at right now. I think the last It ended at four. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've only seen up to the second season. You, but you, um, you're familiar with their version of Moriarty. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know what? I have seen, I think I've seen season three. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, their version of Moriarty is incredible. One of my all-time favorite villains. Oh, totally. How would you feel about the actor that played Moriarty playing Dr. Dracula? Dr. Dracula, just Dracula. Um, I don't know. Or? I'd have to... I'd have to see it just because I, I feel like Dracula needs to be, and maybe this is just the classic and traditionalist in me when it comes to horror movies, but Dracula to me is always the, the prim and proper, like the blah, blah, blah. But and whereas if the guy that played Moriarty played him, I feel he'd be a little too AD, AD, ADD. You know what I mean? Well, what about him as the good guy this time? What if you have Andrew Scott as Van Helsing? Ooh. I just love Maybe. Andrew Scott and want him in more things. That's not spectacular. I mean, I agree. What about him as uh, as uh, the hunchback? <laughs> the guy that helps Dracula. <laughs> you say that. But ben, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was Frankenstein before. So maybe they can bring him back in some capacity. I could see it. I, honestly, like, because, I mean, once I start thinking about that kind of stuff, like, I, I think about um, Young young Frankenstein and how much I love that movie. Just the, the way the hump moves around. Anyway. Wasn't your hump so, on the other side? Yeah. I have a hump. <laughs> it gets me every time. It's just not fair. Oh, Mel Brooks man, is just the best. He really is. And I, I hope that he is happy and fulfilled in what he's doing right now because he's he's brought the world so much joy um anyway back to the, <laughs> the discussion about and about dracula um yeah you know what when you when you put everything like that like yeah okay i can get behind it like but why not well transitioning from a project that i can get behind to one i absolutely cannot but that's the movie culture today of remake everything <sighs> We're getting a Tom and Jerry movie. I mean, did wait. You see the... oh. We're getting a Tom and Jerry movie from the guy that did the Fantastic Four movies. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a live I, I action thinking... animation hybrid. Uh, so, if. I saw the headlines that said live action Tom Jerry, Tom and Jerry. And my thought process went straight to Jungle Book. And I but was see, like, that animation really wouldn't work for Tom and Jerry because Tom and Jerry, the humor comes from the over exaggeration. Okay, I feel you. However, that's like what came into mind. And I was like, that could actually be a lot of fun. You can make that work. Granted, it might get too Garfieldy, but whatever. Yeah, or Scooby Doo. Yeah, but I'd be down. But then you're gonna put, you're gonna give me the director 
of some of the worst movies ever made, and you're going to put it with Tom and Jerry? What? You know what? No. This might work, because those movies are jokes. And what is Tom and Jerry but a bunch of jokes? So why not? That could totally work. Uh, I'm. This movie doesn't have a snowball's chance, I don't think, at all. Like, why? I'm more excited for the upcoming Scooby-Doo movie. Primarily because, from what I understand, that's going to be all animated. Thank you. Um, but yeah. I grew up loving Tom and Jerry. It's a great show. Um, but I have no excitement for this whatsoever. Well, and what's the market right now for it? Like, that's why Looney Tunes isn't, doesn't do well. Because kids don't watch Looney Tunes anymore. Well, we're you still getting I mean? a Space Jam 2. Yeah, well. But I... Money's gonna money. We're going to get another example of Yogi Bear and Marmaduke, I, th- I fear, of they may not be as recognizable as big movie studios think. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I think that's enough depressing movie news for this week. Let's move on to the best discussion we're going to have yet, I'm sure. But before we do that, this week's episode is sponsored by Jack-O-Lanterns. Carve one. Ha. I was going to say Kroger for all of your Halloween needs. <laughs> Be sure to stop by your local Kroger on November 1st for probably 50% off candy. I mean, yeah, come on. That's why I go to uh, go out the day after Valentine's Day. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. But <laughs> our discussion this week is a retrospective look at the history and our experience with the Halloween franchise. Now, this may come as a shock to you, Josh, and our listeners out there. Halloween is my favorite horror franchise by a wide margin. No way! When did this happen? (laughs) Um, I can pinpoint it down for you because I think you were actually physically there, Josh. You were... I think this is this is the one series that you and I discovered together. And yes. we were like, what is this? this is super cool. It was you, me, I know Cody Manning, our buddy, yeah. um, he he had already seen them, so he was more of our more or less our gateway drug to this. Um yes. which is so- hilarious if you call if you know Cody Manning, calling him a gateway drug is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> Yeah, um, but my interaction with Halloween is like my interaction with Rocky. I watch them all out of order, but I still yeah. love them. Yes. I filled in the gaps later. Yeah, same. So, Well, I mean, actually, I think we, you and I, filled the gaps in later together. <laughs> yeah, so more or less, in college, um, I think it was sophomore year, I got on this horror binge like hardcore every night we watched at least one horror movie and this wasn't like we actually more or less did some pretty decent homework in terms of finding good stuff we watched like all the halloween movies um we watched 1408 that was a great experience and i love that movie and we're definitely going to be breaking that down next week um but yeah so we used to have this thing called family video which I pray to God that that's still there to give us some semblance of those video rental yep. stores. 
Family video, I swear you best be holding your ground like a fortress because you are a yeah. blessing to this earth that we don't deserve. Um, yeah. So family video is more or less a really cheap version of Blockbuster. And they set themselves up in yeah. college towns, so they stay in business. Yes. And so and they're yeah. very good at what they do, and they have a very good selection. Like, oh, yeah. Sometimes you go by the, the, the racks and go, I didn't even think I'd see this movie ever again. Like, wow. You know what I mean? Because we had a friend that worked there, and because we yeah. had no lives whatsoever on the weekends, we'd spend hours in family video all the time. Um, but during this horror binge that we had, that we actually more or less made an annual tradition from that point forward, um, Cody got us into the first Halloween, which the first Halloween is still one of my all-time favorite, but also one of the most influential movies in my life. It got me into horror, which more or less got me into other genres and kind of expanded my horizons and the world of film and got me more curious about the process of films. But I love the first one, so I was like, okay, I kind of want to know more about this world. So... Um, I think we watched the second one next. I can't remember the order. Um, so I'll admit I was an idiot when we watched the second one. I knew that Lori and Michael were siblings at the time. It's retcon for this new movie. But I must not have been paying attention during the one scene that they explained that they're brother and sister because yeah. I was like, well, where do they reveal that? I must not have been paying attention because I swear after we watched the second one, I was like, how do we know that they're brother and sister even though they blatantly yeah. say it in the back of the car? They, they totally, like, it's like in the first 15 minutes. Because, <laughs> like, isn't in the second one, it's, uh, if I'm remembering everything right, now, granted, this might be the Rob Zombie remake I'm remembering. But, oh. um, yeah, which the first one wasn't bad, so... Psh- yeah, we'll, we'll get there when we do all of them. But, uh, I rem- it's like in the first 15 minutes or something like that where they kind of do a little bit of Michael's upbringing or something like that and like the night of the murders, if I remember right. But um, I, I can't remember. That's definitely not in the original second one. It might be in Rob Zombie's second one. I haven't watched yeah. that piece of trash in a while. Yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, so I missed that then. But then I'm trying to remember what we watched next. I, oh, no. The movie that we watched after the first Halloween was Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 because we got our Halloween 2s mixed up. So, we're, yeah, like, we have the DVD menu for Halloween 2 up, and we're like, wow, they really updated the graphics. We get yeah. about five minutes in and just are like, nope, this is definitely the Rob Zombie one. It's, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, send it back. Send it back. We're not ready yet. <laughs> Why does Lori look sluttier? What's going on? Why is this so bloody and gory? Oh, okay. <laughs> So we went back, um, got the second one. Then we watched the fourth one. We're like, that was pretty good. Then we watched the fifth one, um, which is not very good. But um, it has this massive cliffhanger, which in hindsight was a great cliffhanger. But then again, four had a great cliffhanger. Um, We're going to break all these down individually. So we'll kind of recap in further detail in a little bit. But five had this great cliffhanger. So we're like, I've heard six is bad, but we got to see this now. So I remember we rushed out the very next day to get six. And boy, did it suck. But we watched all of them. And we made it like a tradition to watch the major Halloween movies every year and just other horror movies. And it just is the reason I latch on to Halloween is because when I was first exposed to it, it was a communal experience of experiencing it with other people that loved it or loved horror or just the communal aspect. Um. 
whether it was 14 away or one of the horror Halloween movies, there's always that one guy that's a little bit nervous. And so when you mess with them when watching a terrifying movie, it's just the best. So we had that a couple times with Halloween and some other horror movies. It's horror more than any other genre, I feel like, is a communal effort. And when you watch it with a group of people, it makes it that much better and more impactful and it stays with you. That's why, to me, Halloween has lasted so long. It's because I have these such positive memories associated with it. And it's just a really good film as a whole. It's it's amazing. Well, and so a little further in depth, like we, there was almost three years in a row where every day, every night, the month of October, we would watch a horror movie as a group. And this was like, sometimes it'd be only five of us. Sometimes it would be 10. Like, I think the biggest we did, it was like 15 packed into one of those small dorm rooms while watching a movie. And these dorms are like... Take out closet space, and it's maybe eight foot by eight foot. Yeah, it's not. They're not big, so the fact that we could pack that many people in says something. Also, we were all really good friends, so it's not like we didn't mind sitting on each other's laps. But um, that happened more than one occasion. Oh yeah. So that that instance where you there's always one person that's nervous, because um, I have this same emotion that you and I have attached to Halloween. I also have for 1408 and Sinister for that exact reason. Same. Oh, curse you, Sinister. Nathan Nathan Weslow scared the crap out of me uh, during Sinister. That was you that was scared? I always tell the story that it was Weslow that got scared. No, sir. He scared the crap out of me. The reason he, I didn't scream because he screamed and I punched the crap out of his arm. Cause I was like, don't scare me right now. Like this is an intense situation. And like, I remember watching sinister and like as a group, everyone relaxing when daytime would happen. I'm like, okay, cool. Nothing bad's going to happen. All right, and cool. then all of us more or less like going to bed nervously. Like I, yes. for me, sinister is the only horror movie that's ever kept me up. And like everyone yes. else was just kind of uneasy about it. I think Alex, my roommate at the time, he was just—he was like, "Nope, I'm gonna work on my laptop now. I'm not going to sleep anytime <laughs> soon." Um, yep. But yeah, horror but is yeah. communal and it's powerful and it's wonderful. And that's—if you have good memories associated with something, it's gonna last longer. And it, I'm—I'm so thankful that I was introduced to horror in that way, as opposed to just yeah. on my own. Yeah, like, hey, here, go take this movie and go watch it by yourself in a room. Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. But I'll yeah, sinister especially. Oh, yeah. Well, just in general, though, because even my memories of going to horror movies, whether they be good or bad, are always with a group of people. Because that's what you do. You go to horror movies with your friends, whether to all be scared or all to go watch an absolute dumpster fire. So, I mean, I yeah, horror movie is horror movies in general are a communal effort. And in a lot of ways, I don't think you get that in any other genre. Like comic book movies are fine to go watch by yourself, but you're not going to go watch Halloween by yourself because it's, I mean, first of all, in my opinion, it's kind of lame to go to a movie by yourself. That's why I don't do it. But, uh, but if it's a movie I really want to see, I'll, I'll still see it by myself. 
but right. yeah, it's the communal aspect, it's, it's and it's a, a lot of fun. Thing. And Halloween yeah. will always be the one that I hold most special to me. Mm-hmm. That being said, there are ten films in this franchise. So let's kind of go through all ten very briefly with each, just kind of giving the overall basic story synopsis and our overall thoughts. So first of all, we got 1978's John Carpenter's Halloween, the yes. hollowed masterpiece in horror. Man, I yes, love this movie. It's fantastic. It, to me, and I think we've said this before, it changes the kill game majorly. It's not just a guy stabbing people. It's literally a guy pinning people to a door. It's which you know, screw the physics on that. Yeah, screw that. Whatever. Um, it's it's a lot of new stuff as far as especially at that time and really ever since then that hadn't really been seen before. Because now a lot of the stuff that he that is done in this movie, if you do in other movies, people are like, oh yeah, I remember that from Halloween. Because Halloween's like, it to me, is the grandfather of modern slashers. Oh, I completely agree. Friday the 13th, which more or less um, was another popular slasher, more for the 80s than anything else. The people behind Friday the 13th will openly admit they stole from Halloween. So, yes. at the end of the day, modern horror can either be traced back to Psycho in 1960 or 1978 with Halloween. I go more with Halloween just because that's more of a modern setting and Psycho is really ahead of its time, but the first Halloween is plain and simple. It's, you got Michael Myers chasing after Laurie Strode and killing a whole bunch of her friends. She survives with the help of Dr. Loomis, which, spoiler alert, is what I'm going as for Halloween this year and I'm kind of excited. Loomis, that's awesome. Michael. Good you, man. Means I don't have to get rid of my goatee. <laughs> Fair. Also, but Nightwing doesn't have a goatee. Fair, <laughs> but um, mainly because my dad has the Loomis jacket, and I got really excited when I saw that. That's cool. So I was like, "Ooh, I That's gotta jump cool. on this." So, um, in a move that you don't really see in a whole lot of horror mo- movies, Halloween Two takes place mere seconds after the first one. So the first one ends with Michael Myers getting shot. How many times? Six times! I shot him six times! I shot him! Um, He falls out the balcony after getting shot six times by his doctor, Samuel Loomis, who has the exact same name as one of the characters in the movie Psycho. Fun fact. Um, Loomis goes to check on the body. He's not there. Lori gets rushed to the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital where Michael discovers that she is there and continues to chase after her. This is an unprecedented move in horror to, that I'm sure some other people have done, but Halloween was more or less the first to do it again. Um, to have a movie take place and actually be a straight continuation, not like a, yeah. here's the first 15 minutes after, and then cut to a year later or three years later. No, this is literally... Just the same night, a nice continuation. I, I really like that aspect of two. I, I do too. And I think the other thing about two is, you know, despite your anybody's opinion on the lore changes that they do, the way that they do them is very elegant and very it does, they, they're not sitting here like, hey, so uh, we made a mistake. And didn't give you as much information in, the, in this first one as we wanted. They, they don't do that. They're like, hey, like, you know, like, 
this guy is really scary. Guess what? <laughs> He's related. Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> I think it's handled very, very delicately, and it's it's very well done. Yeah. Um, Laurie, played by Jamie Lee Curtis again, does a fantastic job. You have a really good performance by Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis by Donald Pleasance. Always brings his A-game. Halloween 2 is definitely one of the strongest horror sequels, just period. Not just, it's probably one of the strongest Halloween sequels, but it's just one of the best horror sequels in general. Um, The film ends, spoiler alert, but it was a long time ago. Um, It ends with Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis blowing up after filling an operating room with gas. They blow up. But somehow they'll come back in two movies. But before we get to Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, we have arguably the most divisive non-Rob Zombie Halloween film, and that is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Josh, before I go into this, what are your thoughts on Season of the Witch? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember this movie at all. This is the one that <laughs> doesn't have Michael Myers in it at all. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I don't remember this movie existing. Really? Yeah. No, I'm dead serious. To be fair, I think this is one of the most criminally underrated horror movies ever. Really? Because so many people wrote this off as, well, it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Where the heck is Michael Myers? Which, to be fair, that was just bad marketing. Um, That being said, this movie plays like a really good Twilight Zone episode. It's so bizarre and out there of an evil warlock is trying to get these masks on children to kill them and their families as part of a ancient Halloween ritual of Samhain. Okay. Yeah. But I will say this. Even though there's no Michael Myers, this movie has some of the most brutal imagery in any of the Halloween movies. I will put some of the deaths in this movie up against some of the kills in Rob Zombie's Halloween. It's so messed up. The the most iconic scene in Halloween 3, by far, is a scene where you find out what the evil Stonehenge, yes, I said Stonehenge, what the evil Stonehenge can do when interacting with the Silver Shamrock commercial, which that song is going to be stuck in my head now, Um, The Silver Shamrock commercial interacts with a child wearing a Silver Shamrock mask. If you have not seen it, I would say check it out on YouTube. The full scene is there. But do not watch it if you are afraid of snakes or are squeamish as it is incredibly disturbing. So, spoiler alert for this scene if you have not seen it. So, what happens is this kid is wearing a pumpkin mask. Seems fine. Um, As the commercial plays... The kid's reaching for his face. You can tell something's wrong. His face starts to melt and wilt like a pumpkin towards the end of November when you've been leaving it out for a while. Except it's not his mask. It is his actual face that's melting and wilting away as his head has become a pumpkin. So he collapses to the floor as his head is literally melting. To make matters worse, the hole that was his mouth is now where snakes and live animals are coming out of his mouth, and it's all practical effects, no CGI. It's even worse on the Blu-ray because you can see the boy's eyes are still 
open and awake. So he's still alive during this. What? This is the most brutal, grotesque, and disturbing imagery in any of the Halloween movies. Like, seriously, Josh, after this, look it up, and you'll come back to me going, what did I just watch? It is the most disturbing thing, and it's the thing that everyone remembers about three, and it makes people, oh, I don't do snakes, but even if I did, seeing live snakes come out of a child's mouth doesn't go away as a mental image. It's just disturbing. But the rest of the film is really good, actually. It plays across, like I said, like a Twilight Zone episode. And it's it's very underappreciated because it doesn't have Michael Myers. Everyone just kind of wrote it off. But, yeah, if you just want the cliff notes, watch that clip. If you, that doesn't scare you away, check it out. Halloween 3 is pretty good. But uh, it flopped pretty hard. So the producers, it. the Akkad family was like, we need to bring Michael back. Hence why Halloween 4 is titled Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. I Did you see bad. this one with like, us, Josh? I, I see, so I'm starting to wonder how much of the, how many of these I've seen with you because I don't remember. I might have seen Return, Return of Michael Myers maybe once, but it's been ages so i don't four know. is where we first meet um jamie the little girl okay who was just a delight and introduced the world to danielle harris who actually would be in one two four almost five of the halloween movies because she was in two of the original timeline and she was actually in two of the rob zombie ones too okay so yeah, four. Michael comes back. Um, Jamie is played by Daniel Harris, as I said. She's actually the daughter of Laurie Strode, who apparently has died in a car accident off screen, which is probably Hollywood speak for we couldn't re-sign Jamie Lee Curtis, so we had to transition the franchise to a new protagonist. Um, so Jamie is living with this family. And she's being hunted by Michael, who's been in a coma for the past 10 years because he somehow survived the hospital explosion. But thankfully, he wasn't the only one that survived, and Dr. Loomis survived as well. So he's more or less trying to protect Jamie. Then you have some rednecks that ultimately shoot Michael a whole bunch of times with shotguns and whatnot, and he falls down a well, and he disappears till a very rushed Halloween 5. We'll get into it in a second. Then... Jamie kills her mother and not uh, her adopted mother with a pair of scissors, and more or less echoes the path that Michael Myers has set. That he fell down that path a long time ago. Okay, I kind of remember this movie. Yeah, I've watched so much. You know, I've it's been so many years since college too. So it's like trying to remember all of this is hilarious. Yeah, four often while divisive among critics. Among the Halloween fans, it's pretty well regarded as one of the better ones. It feels a lot like the first one. Um, it's pretty simple in its premise. I enjoy 4 quite a bit, and I also enjoy it a little bit more, too, because um, this year at Universal's, Hol- uh, Universal's Halloween Horror Nights, I can get words out tonight, um, they actually have a Halloween 4 maze. Not like a Halloween or Halloween 2, but specifically Halloween 4. And I that's probably my favorite, just because of how much of a Halloween fan I am. 
Yeah. Um, that being said, it's not the strongest of the Halloween films or even of the Halloween sequels, but it got the franchise back on track after the lackluster financial returns of three before it unfortunately would go off the rails again for Halloween 5. Halloween 5 is more or less the beginning of the end of the original Halloween movies. Josh, do you remember anything yeah. about 5? Uh, what's the... Is it just Halloween 5 or is there a tagline on it? Halloween I, 5, for some reason, um, I the Revenge of Michael Myers? Yeah... I don't seem to remember these these three. Five. Weird, this may trigger some memories for you. Five is the one that first introduced the cult of Thorn. Oh. Halloween yeah. five is the one where he wakes up after a year being carried yeah. after by a weird hermit. And there's a man in black. Yeah, no, I remember this. And he's like born in like at the beginning of the film, he's like born and he's been marked or some something. And yeah, he had, yeah. So and, um, it would be explained later in six that Michael. Because I remember thinking that this was like a weird way to do a Rob Zombie film. <laughs> it, it would make more sense if it was Rob Zombie. So yeah. five, five had some issues. Five late in filming process, they introduced this new character called the Man in Black that no one. And I mean no one involved in the filming of Five knew who he was. Not even the people that wrote the frickin' movie knew who this guy was. They're like, oh, we'll leave it for the next movie to figure out. Well, the problem with that is Five sucked and it had diminishing returns at the box office. Four killed it at the box office. Five, because it was not a very good movie, bombed. And it was the next Halloween film was put on limbo for a while. Then we had Halloween 6, which supposedly was, quote-unquote, the answer to all the questions that were unresolved by 5, which is plenty. The problem was, almost everyone involved in Halloween 5 was not involved with Halloween 6. (laughs) So, it would be like, if I started a puzzle, then gave Josh a separate puzzle, and told him to finish my puzzle with those new pieces. <laughs> so, I, I make it work. Six <laughs> is bad. It is not a good Halloween movie by any stretch of the imagination. However, I will say this in the movie's defense. The director was clearly a fan of the Halloween franchise going into it, and he tried his best to tie in different elements from previous Halloween films to try and make one coherent narrative. You had... Paul Rudd, yes, Ant-Man's Paul Rudd making his film debut as Tommy Doyle, who was a character that Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode was looking after in the first Halloween movie, which is a nice callback, except his character was like this creepy stalker. When Michael is more normal than your character, we have issues. Um, yeah. But they tried to bring in Tommy Doyle. Um, they brought back Loomis, who unfortunately this was his last film appearance before he sadly passed away. They even tried to bring in some of the more mystical, magical elements from Halloween 3. That being said, this movie was just a train wreck. And it was bad. Do you remember anything about 6? I'm I'm starting to remember bits and pieces. And I think... So the the theme I think is going going with this is the really bad ones, I don't remember. <laughs> I wonder why. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah. So, six left okay, the... Fr- but I, 
Yeah, I, I definitely remember bits and pieces of six for whatever reason. So six left the franchise at an all-time low. Thankfully, it was about to get a very helpful shot in the arm via a certain returning actress named Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, picture 1998. Jamie Lee Curtis is a pretty big-name actress at this point. Um, she's been in quite a few successful projects. She's nowhere really near the horror genre anymore. Well, we're rapidly approaching the 20th anniversary of the original Halloween film. And who's coming back to make another Halloween film? But Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode for Halloween H2O, or Halloween 20 years later, however you want to call it. Josh, please tell me you remember H2O at least. Oh, dude. I had a triple triple feature of... uh... H2O, Resurrection, and there was another one, but uh, I don't remember. But yeah, oh, H2O, man. <laughs> so I didn't realize this at the time, probably because I hadn't seen them, but someone said that H2O is essentially Halloween meets Scream. Do you agree with that? Yes. It is very 90s in its tone. Um, it is. Well, and I think that's the thing about these movies we're about to talk about, is that they are very 90s, and you can tell. Yeah, especially H2O. I, admittedly, it's still, even more so than Halloween 2, I think H2O is my favorite Halloween sequel. Knock on wood until this new... Halloween David Gordon Green one comes out, which I have very high hopes for that it'll be great. Um, but this one is still probably my favorite Halloween sequel, despite how 90s it is, primarily because it has some of the best moments. So H2O, it is 20 years after the original Halloween. It's a completely new timeline. So three, four, five, six, all that cult of thorn crap, Jamie, all of that is gone. All we have is one, two, and this new one. Well, all we have is one, two, and H2O. So now, Lori Strode has changed her name to Carrie Tate, and she's now a headmaster at a private school in California, which, ironically, California is where they actually filmed the original Halloween, so I'm sure that was a tip of the cap. Um, Michael finds her, stalks her, and tries to kill her son and her in the process. She's getting some revenge, and boy, is it amazing. Yes, it is. It's like Halloween meets Home Alone at times. It really is. Like, yeah. I, H2O does this thing that, even though it's very clearly 90s, and you can feel it, and there's a lot of things that happen that, yeah, that's very 90s. But same time, that movie's aged fairly well. Yeah. I think, what are some of the standout moments for H2O that you remember that kind of stuck with you? Um, let's see. Because this is the one when the, at the private school, right? Yes. Right. So, I think the kill in the laundry suit shoot. Is it a laundry shoot or is like the, the... It's like kitchen. a dumb waiter, yeah. Yeah, the dumb waiter. The kill in there is pretty awesome. Um, the way that they honestly okay so not even necessarily a moment but the way that they play with us 
as far as where Michael is when it comes to them running around the school. Because you kind of know that he's at the school, but you don't know where he is. And you know that it, it is this in this way that it is like a scream movie in this in a sense, because we now know all the tropes of a Halloween movie and they play on it for us and they get us sometimes like in the very beginning when it's shown that Michael's at now he's at, he's found Jamie. He's at the school. Like we know that he's there and we know that Michael doesn't like it when the teenagers have sex. So, you know, there's, this is going on and in, I think it's in the kitchen if I remember right. And Yes. You know, as an audience member, we're sitting there going, okay, it's going to pop up any moment now. Any moment now. And then he doesn't. And you're like, oh, okay. All right, I'm intrigued. Let's go. What, what, what do we got? And I mean, he ends up killing them later, but still, it, it's the, they, they do a very good job of, of playing on the, on the Halloween cliche, cliches. For me, H2O has not one, but two of my favorite moments from the entire franchise, actually. The first is one of my favorite cameos in any movie. Um, the secretary at the school is played by Janet Lee, who is Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis's real-life mother, actually. <laughs> not only that, she's the woman in the shower scene in Psycho that gets stabbed by Norman Bates, who is the inspiration for Halloween. Wow. How did I not know this? Yeah, so the reason why, one of the reasons why Jamie Lee Curtis was cast in the original Halloween is because her mom was in Psycho, and John Carpenter was a huge fan of Psycho. Um, So yeah, the two of them share a couple scenes together, um, and I believe her name is Marion, actually, just like her name is in Psycho. That may just be my imagination, but um, they play the Psycho theme as her character walks away, and she actually drives away in the same car that she's driving in Psycho. That's crazy. I didn't even notice that. It's also... It's been a long time, so... It's also... It was more or less Janet Lee's last film role. So it was a nice tender moment between real-life mother and daughter in a film. And it was also more or less a nice send-off to an actress who had a very iconic role and really a well-known actress. It was a nice way to kind of send her off. And it was... I just like how it's done. Uh, If you don't know it's Janet Lee. It's just a cool, it's just a scene that might stand out a little bit, but if you know the character, you know the relationship between Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee, it it has a little bit more meaning. It's 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 really cool and well done. But to me, the absolute best scene in all of H2O is Lori has sent away John and his girlfriend to safety. They're gone. So the only people left in all of the private school is Lori and Michael. Lori has the chance with the gate open to run and run from Michael again. She smashes the controls and locks herself into this campus. She grabs a big, huge, like one of those like fireman's acts. The music swells, a classic Halloween do-do-do-do-do-do. She stands with this great um, overhead shot and her shadow like lingers far Deep behind her, she just screams out, Michael! And then when she does, the Halloween music comes in full orchestra. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Now, it's not a game of cat and mouse. Now, it's one-on-one. We're fighting to the death. It's a character 
saying, I'm not afraid anymore. And holy crap, she beats the ever-living daylights out of Michael for the rest of the movie. Then the cops come to take Michael away. We're like, oh, we've seen this before, Michael. He'll be sent to prison for the rest of his days. Except, no, Lori confiscates the vehicle that Michael Myers is being kept in, drives it away from the cops after holding some of the cops up at gunpoint, drives off with Michael, gets him stuck between a, um, a log and the vehicle itself, and decapitates Michael Myers once and for all. Yeah, or so we thought. Do you really want to segue <laughs> into that now? <laughs> you might as well. It's the next one. <laughs> Josh, discuss for a couple minutes while I collect myself. <laughs> so it ends like that. And to me, that's the, if you could have ended the Halloween series at, in any movie, it would have been H2O. Because that's the perfect ending. And really, like, I, it, this new movie is kind of a repeat of that, in a sense. Just a different scenario. Um, so, but then you're going to open the next movie, literally open with the revelation that the guy in the Halloween mask that Lori kills at the end of, of H2O is not Michael. Michael apparently crushed the throat of a doctor or medic or something and put him in the Michael Myers costume and my and Lori killed an innocent man. Which, by the way, is incredibly uncharacteristic of Michael. You do know the reason why this is in the movie, right? Because they needed to make money? So... Jamie Lee Curtis agreed to come back for H2O on the condition that Michael die and the story end forever. Well, what the producers failed to mention to her when she signed on to do H2O is that she was legally obligated to come back for one more movie and that no matter what you do, you can't kill off Michael in H2O permanently because he has to come back for sequels. So they forced Jamie Lee Curtis to come back for Resurrection just... To kill her off in the first ten minutes in the most unceremonious way possible. She traps Michael Myers. He's hanging upside down. She has the chance to kill him. She kisses him. He stabs her. And she falls in some bushes to her death. Thanks for coming, Jamie Lee Curtis. You've been a great protagonist. Now you're dead. Yep. However, don't you go there. <laughs> don't you however, say Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, baby! He is the best part of this movie. You can't, you can't I even deny you. it. You can't even deny it. Oh. Trick or treat. Oh, God. You can't. You just have to, like, go watch. It's, it's resurrection, right? No, yeah, it is resurrection, but it's not a resurrection of a franchise. It's a slow, agonizing death. I disagree. I enjoy the crap out of this movie. But do you enjoy Tyler it because Bay. it's actually good, or do you enjoy it because it's bad? No, I enjoy it because it's fun. You have, like, 
Nowhere in in the uh, in the Halloween series is someone besides Jamie Lee Curtis's character been like, you know what? Screw Michael. I ain't scared. Legitimately, he just like Buster Rhymes character. I, I don't even know his character's actual name. I don't care. He's Buster Rhymes for all I know. All, all we know, Buster Rhymes actually knows Kung Fu and he's wanted to kill a serial killer for a long time. Like, just, I love, yes, it's 90s slop, but it's so entertaining to me. Just the way that Tyra is integrated for no reason at all. Like, there's except no reason die. for her to be there. <laughs> yeah, except for another body. And just, the, the it's a different concept of the Halloween series. Granted, don't get me wrong, it is an incredibly stupid idea to set up a reality TV show in a serial killer's home. You dummies. But regardless of that fact, I find Halloween Resurrection incredibly entertaining. I will not say it's the best Halloween movie, but to me, it's up, it's up there. It's in my top three. Resurrection, I will say, at bare minimum, has the dumbest characters, hands down. Oh, I agree. Oh, I completely agree. Although, they're not the worst characters. The worst characters are in the next film. That is the 2007 reboot of Halloween by Rob Zombie. Oh my gosh. Literally everyone in this movie is a horrible human being, except for one, which I remember when we watched this. When this character dies, we all were pissed. We almost shut the movie off. So, the character in question... It's more or less Machete. Danny Trejo is in Halloween, and he dies, and we're all furious. Yeah, we're like, screw you for killing Machete. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Like, he was legitimately, and this is including Lori and everyone else, the only likable human being. Apparently, according to Rob Zombie, everyone in Haddonfield or in Michael's upbringing is a whole bunch of redneck idiots and tools that are either strippers or drunks or has-beens. It's, oh, this movie. Actually, I'll give credit where credit's due. It's better than Halloween 2, which we'll get to yeah. in a second, provided I don't have an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> and the second half of this movie, when it actually more or less becomes a remake of the original Halloween is pretty solid. However, it's the first half when we have to explain in great detail what makes Michael Myers Michael Myers. Yes. So, the first thing I remember about us watching this movie, because I think it was you, me, Alex, and I'm pretty sure Cody was there as well. I can all but guarantee it. Oh, yeah. The first thing I remember... Is Lori coming up on screen for the first time, and all of us collectively going, "Wait, when? When was Lori hot? Wait, I don't know how I feel about this." <laughs> yeah, and then the more I watch it, the more I hate this Lori too. Oh yeah. Oh no, totally. We're like, well, we'll watch more because she's attractive, but I don't like her as a character. <laughs> yeah, the whole bagel thing ruined it. Stop! No! Bad. Bad, Nathan. We don't mention the bagel. No, it's even worse than the next one. 
that's fair. What happens to Lori, especially. But yes, to in defense of Rob Zombie's Halloween, the second half, when it is more or less just Michael terrorizing Haddonfield, actually is pretty good. It's brutal and intense. And yeah, from what I understand, this new Halloween seems to be a hybrid of the zombie and original film, which, all right, I can work with that. That sounds good. Yeah. This See, one this, this has one, some flaws. Can do, yeah, it has a lot of flaws, but I agree with you on, on the second half of this movie. Once it gets going, oh, jeez, watch out, because the the kills are just this is, I think, one of the first slasher movies where I felt the kills. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just the sound design or whatnot. Regardless, the kills happen. And, oh, God, I just, every time someone gets stabbed, you cringe. And so I, I definitely got to give Rob some, some props for that. And then all those props get taken away. When we yeah, get to yeah. Halloween 2. <sighs> All right. Let's get this over with. I hate this movie so much. This is, without a doubt. I, I honestly, I, hmm? keeping, keeping with this theme that uh, I, I don't necessarily remember the bad ones, um, I'm going to let you uh, take this one, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for letting me carry the load all by myself. You're so this one <laughs> is easily, hands down, the worst Halloween movie. So, everything you liked about Lori in the last Halloween, if you liked her at all, or had any form of connection to any character named Lori in any Halloween movie, gets scrapped as she literally becomes almost like a... Rastafarian drug head who mm-hmm. swears every other word and is kind of the biggest a-hole in this whole movie, even more so than Michael Myers, who doesn't even wear the mask for 90% of this movie and looks more like a combination of Daniel Bryan and Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. Um, who, so, what makes Michael Myers scary? He never talks, he has a terrifying mask, and his slow walk yet he still somehow catches up to you. So why is it, in the finale of the movie, he says, die, he screams, die, at Loomis, then runs at full speed at Loomis, and spears him? Because. (sighs) Yeah, so not only that, Michael, quote-unquote, dies, Lori gets gunned down in a shootout by Haddonfield police because they think she's going to kill them all. <laughs> a little little girl, Mary? <laughs> Which I I can't remember if it does or not, but I'm pretty sure that, ooh, what you say, is at the end of it. If it's not that, it might be the original Halloween, which is the worst use of the Halloween theme ever. So, yeah, Lori literally gets gunned down by cops at the end of the second one, whereas Michael dies literally screaming at Loomis, who also dies. So, how dare you have any emotional attachment to any character ever in Halloween, whether that's the zombie versions or anything else. Can you imagine Jamie Lee Curtis's Lori getting gunned down by cops? This movie... It also, not only that, killed Danielle Harris, who was Jamie in 4 and 5. 
She reprises her role as Annie this time in the remake in both Halloween and Halloween 2. This time she's brutally, brutally killed by Michael Myers in way over the top fashion. Then, when she's dying, they're showing flashback clips of her from Halloween 4 and 5 as young Danielle Harris, which is really uncomfortable. And that's the only reason why you care when she dies, because it is supposed to be this character that you care about, but you care about her from previous films, not this film. I have so many more issues with this, but I don't have the blood pressure medication involved that would be needed to talk about why I hate this movie so much. This movie, I think, may even be beyond the help of a five good things. Oh, man. I just want you to know how much I appreciate your passion for movies because I get a good kick out of it sometimes. My head hurts. I'm sorry, buddy. How many more are we going to... I hate this movie so much. (laughs) I'm almost tempted to watch uh, Halloween 2 right before I see this new Halloween movie. That went a slim chance that this new one sucks. And I'll be like, (laughs) at least it's better than Halloween 2, right? I think... I don't think you'll have to watch it to remember it, buddy. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Oh, boy. New, new, better Halloween. New, better Halloween movies is, is coming. Oh. That's what they're saying. They're saying it's not just a good horror movie. It's a great movie. It's sitting pretty at like 86 on Metacritic right now. Ooh, 86. Which is, for a horror movie, that's real good. For a Halloween movie, that's even better. After the original, the highest um, Rotten Tomatoes film in the Halloween franchise is H2O, and I think that sits at like 52 or 62%. Oh. Okay. Yeah, well, hate the Halloween movies for some reason. Critics have a tendency to hate horror movies in general. Unless it's Get Out. Oh, yeah. Duh. But uh, sure. moving away from H2, um, what are some of your favorite moments from the franchise as a whole? Um, one of the, I think, having watched a lot of them, obviously, it's apparent I don't remember the, a lot of them. I don't remember the bad ones. But uh, the moment, the moments of watching Rob Zombie actually kind of in some ways make shot-for-shot remakes uh, of, of the kills in in his first one, which I, which I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed that. I know, I think we have a different opinion on it, but Resurrection is still one of my favorite movies. It's given, it's a great slasher with some great comedy, and just hearing Busta Rhymes yelled, yelling "Happy Halloween, MF" is just hilarious and awesome. Um, again, going back to the uh, dumb waiter kill, I really like that. Um, my favorite moments have, have always been going into a Halloween movie and wondering how they're going to kill people. Yeah, I don't know if you've been following the trailers, uh, which I have only seen the first two trailers and occasionally some TV spots because I am trying to avoid spoilers for this one. 
That being said, in one of the trailers, there appears to be a brutal kill that I'm very much excited to see in this film involving something that's supposed to resemble a jack-o'-lantern. I'm not going to go any further about that. You may know what I'm talking about, but holy crap, I'm very curious to see what that looks like on the big screen. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think I'm, I, I I agree with you in that this move from what it sounds like this movie is going to be a combination of Rob Zombie's first film and the original. Uh, which I think you and I have always said that if they ever found a way to balance that out, that would it would make a fantastic whole, uh, Halloween movie. So yeah. we'll see. I'm, we'll see, man. I'm looking forward to being afraid of Michael Myers again because honestly because I love the franchise so much, I get this sense of like comfort from it because I enjoy watching them so much. They, they're a good time to me that I'm not afraid of Michael anymore. I think yeah. after this new one, I will be, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And I think that was one, one thing that Rob Zombie did kind of capture is, yeah, he's creepy, blah, blah, blah. But then when you start seeing how brutal of a killer he is, yeah, you really do start getting kind of scared of him. It's like, oh, I don't want him sneaking into my house or anything like that. Like, geez, no. Yeah. So, so I'm sure for next week's episode, we'll have like a mini review of Halloween, assuming we both see it before then. Uh, but that yeah. We will. Yeah. If, um, uh, if I don't see it this weekend, I'll see it on Tuesday because Tuesday is $5 movie day. So, awesome. I'll, I'll be seeing it multiple times, I'm sure, because I'm that hyped for it. But, yeah, I think we've more or less, well, I could talk for days about Halloween. I think we've subjected you to enough Halloween, the franchise, for now. However, we may be discussing Halloween 3 and some other horror-slash-Halloween films next week. So, yeah, be sure to check that out. Um, As for us, I think that's about it for this week. Josh, any last-minute comments or concerns you may have? Uh, as far as the movie goes? No, not or really. In general. I mean, in general? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just chilling in like a villain, man. Um, Venom did... Decent at the box office. I heard mixed reviews at best. Um, I still haven't gotten a chance to go see it. So eh. same, yeah. Uh, it's you know it's it's kind of uh, all nice and chill over here in the the movie universe until it ramps up big time come Thanksgiving. Yeah, buddy. Well, whatever news news and movie related items come your way, we'll have you covered. Well, we'll see you next week, and if you like what you're seeing and you want to see more or hear more, be sure to subscribe to us in whatever channel you're hearing us on, whether that's iTunes, YouTube, whatever else. Feel free to subscribe to us there, and yeah, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.